Summer is almost here. Don't you want to go to the beach with thicker, gorgeous, beautiful locks and everyone goes, hey, I love your hair. And you go, Nutrafol, baby. (laughs) You know, something along that lines. Well, take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering my listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and you enter the promo code TSFS. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. I recommend it. I've been taking Nutrafol for years. It's how I got my hair back thicker and not falling out in chunks after I had KJ. Now it's your turn. Nutrafol has been on with me for years, and that's because you all continue to buy, and it really works. I love it. Now it's your turn to love it too. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code TSFS. That's Nutrafol.com with the promo code TSFS. Do you enjoy playing relaxing puzzle games on your phone? I do. It's even better when they're free and you can collect prizes along the way. Welcome to Two Dots. I have been playing Two Dots to relax my mind, unwind, and there's something very methodical about it. The premise of the game is you connect dots horizontally, vertically, but never diagonally. And you head from level to level. And as I mentioned, you do collect points along the way if you are into that. More than 5,000 puzzles to keep you engaged and relaxed after a very long day, uniquely designed challenges challenges, game modes, and levels to choose from based on what adventure you are into. And by the way, you can download it for free right now on your Android phone or iOS. I also like the color template of this game. It's very, it's giving me very like pastel-y vibes. So yeah, I think you're going to enjoy it too. If you are ready to kick back and unwind, download Two Dots for free on Android and iOS and start connecting. Via Hemp, let's talk about it. Via Hemp offers THC and non-TH craft cannabis experiences. Now, I love a non-THC option when it comes to your overall wellness. I'm talking sleep aid, maybe anxiety if you have that. Well, that's where Via comes into play. And did you know even a non-THC option if you're doing fertility or IVF can be helpful? Look into that. Well, Via is incredible. You got to be 21 plus. You can get 15% off with my exclusive code TSFS when you go to ViaHemp, V-I-I-A, hemp.com. They have all kinds of lifestyle products. And like I said, the best part is with the THC or without, so you don't have the buzzy buzzy. Don't you love my cannabis lingo? I mean, the buzzy buzzy. Anyway, I'm unique. What can I say? Look, order now. You're going to love Via Hemp. Use the code TSFS to receive 15% off and a one-time free sample of their award-winning gummies, 21 plus. That's viahemp.com and use the code TSFS at checkout. Support the show. Tell them I sent you and enhance your everyday life with Via Hemp. Romano is here. Now, y'all know her. If you love the Disney Channel, oh my gosh. I mean, if you watched even Stevens, Kim Possible, you know her. She's a very famous child actor. Uh, worked with Shia LaBeouf, worked with Hilary Duff, but she's become even more famous over the past couple of years for her Podco company and her podcast, Vulnerable, that kicked it off. She's had a lot of child actors on talking about their experiences, and she's an advocate for child actors and child YouTubers and Twitch uh, players. So a lot of us, including myself, are thinking about putting our kids on social media. But should we? Christy Carlson Romano is here to talk about advocating to make the internet and the future of entertainment for kids a lot safer. I think you'll love this interview. Here's Christy. Like, I got down the rabbit hole like almost a year, (laughs) over a year ago about you. And I loved, I was like, damn, she like, goes there and she's survived so many things and now she's built this podcast empire I was like well how do I become her friend one invite her on my show so there we go there we are (laughs) so Christy I'm thrilled you're here yes no honestly I that is a mom hack that is a content creator mom hack because it is already so hard to find mom friends and on top of that the type of stress that a content creator goes through or a performer or whatever, like it's, it's a very unique set of things. And so when you can find someone who, who 
like gets you, um, it's really kind of even more special not to make the other friendships less important, but it's, there's like a short understanding that we have of one another. Like we got to get the content. We got to do things this way. There's deadlines. And so we were talking right before we hit record and it's like, you know, I just came from um, volunteering at my kid's school. And it's something that for me, having not been able to do team sports and not being able to kind of show up a lot in my life, I'm so fully activated by this like mom community. Yeah. And so to me, that that really does matter so, so, so much to me. So I love that we're friends now. Um, well, I also in my head bonded with you because you went to Barnard in all women's uh-huh. college and I went to Mount Holyoke. And I'm curious. Okay. <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> what was your experience like at an all women's college? How'd you like it? Okay. So Barnard's really fascinating because it's really interconnected to all of the classes at Columbia. Although I feel like when I went there, we were still in a very like male gaze, like McBling era 2000s. And so like really Barnard was called a lot of different horrible names, which I'm sure you guys got too. But like we were called Barnyard and like, I mean, one year I was there and they actually did make a Barnyard at a quad. And I was like, guys, just leaning into the joke isn't good. Like, you don't do that. You don't make a barnyard a barnyard. I'm like, guys, you don't get it. They're making fun of us. But, you know, I think that, like, the type of women that went went to Barnard, we really had this, like, archetype that we wanted to live up to of Athena. And there's, like, this statue of Athena in the front. And there's this, like, mentality of strong Barnard women. And I personally really, I went, you know, by the way, it took me 12 years to graduate. I love that. Um, yeah. Because you yeah, were working, right? Like, you, were you working in between or? or? Yeah, I was fucking off half the time. Like, I literally left and I did Beauty and the Beast, which was a legitimate, like, legitimate opportunity. But I also wasn't having the best experience. And so when I left and came back at 26, it was because I hated L.A. and I couldn't, like, I had a horrible broken heart and I just wanted to, like, escape L.A., And so even though I had had like some bad memories of going the first time um, straight out of Disney, I was kind of like, okay, let me reapproach this as a 26 year old. But I was still very much an active drinker and I wasn't really focused on my studies. By the time I went back at 30, mind you, I was married. I had met my husband when I was 26 that year, that second time I went back. And it was a really positive experience. But by the time I got back at 30, I triple course loaded everything. I knew I wanted a film degree. I knew I wanted women's leadership. And I just like didn't worry about grades. And I literally within a year and a half, I was like done, done with it. I get, yeah, I love that. I mean, I I went to Mount Holyoke, which is all women's. And um, I was- There's tea underneath that. Let's unpack it, Sarah. (laughs) Go for it. Oh, I was like depressed the whole time. And I I actually had to go to Ireland my junior year. More because um, I always really wanted to be like a radio DJ and talk show host. And I don't even know how I ended up at Mount Holyoke, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't know. I feel like I went to- um, like tour like the Seven Sisters school and I was so inspired by this like women <laughs> empowerment yeah. school and I you know I kind of had a lot of guy friends in high school so I was like I'm gonna bond with women when I went there though mm. the women were so smart I mean they I was the dumbest <laughs> fucking person there I was so stupid it was no really and like I ran the radio station that's all I wanted to do these women were, were like doctors dentists like they spoke four languages I was like Guys, I'm trying to be the female Jerry Springer. Like, I did not fit. Like, that was really what it came down to. I, like, I, like, didn't fit. I mean, it was great. Like, it exposed me to so much because I grew up in Maine. It was my first exposure to, like, living with women of different color and all. It was great. But it was, like, I was not prepared for how, like, hard it was and how much I didn't really. I wanted to be a DJ. But it, it. It tipped off a lot of, you know, to your point. You did, though. And I mean, like, just for you to even reach out and see me on a level that's not just the tea. Like, I think that's what's so great about the legacy I've been able to kind of pivot towards is, like, I don't want to just be like, oh, she's some fuck up child actor. It's more like, wow, she's bringing change to a broken Hollywood system the best that she can and her advocacy work. And like, there's a lot of undercurrents of things that I'm not necessarily getting, you know, out there because I don't need them to be in the algorithm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like some things don't need to be on the hearts and minds until I try to actively be like, guys, 
can you show up to this? I'm fundraising for this, you know, looking ahead program, which is part of SAG for the kids. So it's just kind of like I'm trying to strategize my next moves so that I can obviously keep relevance alive for my content, but at the same time, like stay authentic. So speaking of that, when you started first speaking out about your child acting experience, was it a YouTube video? What was the first thing that like popped off where you like really went there and you were like, you know, I'm I'm going to like, which is always very scary. What, what was the first real story you told that like got traction about your childhood acting career? So that's a great question. I mean, I feel like now that I started therapy again, um, I um, I started thinking critically about like, wow, like this has been kind of a wild journey for a few years now. This isn't just like, it feels like time's gone by very quickly. Once you find your voice, I think you just, life goes by even faster. I mean, cause you're not just stunned in a state of confusion. But um, so basically I wrote a Teen Vogue article and I chose Teen Vogue because Teen Vogue had been doing a lot of really cool journalism. And I thought that if I could make an impact which at Barnard, when I went back, the women's leadership minor that I had, which is the Athena program, um, said, how do you make an impact on your community? So my senior project was to make like a documentary about child actors. And I was like, well, that's my community. Yeah. And so that that was like the seeds of that. So traveled to a couple years later and I said, I want to write something um, because I'm struggling with people not really truly knowing a where if I was dead or alive, I was constantly on BuzzFeed articles about you know, where are they now? And it was like mm. every week there was some new BuzzFeed article or some stupid article that was like, where are they now? And I mean, I think that I got frustrated enough where I was doing Comic Cons and people were like, where are you? What are you doing? And so I was struggling at the time to kind of figure out like income and, and like setting myself up for success. So I think that I wrote that article out of needing people to understand that I was alive and that I was human and um, to demystify that brand for them. And uh, I took a, I took a chance. So the Teen Vogue article was the first time that I let everyone know that I had a quote unquote private struggle. And from there, um, I think that seed kind of was embedded in the back of my mind, but I started doing like cooking content and very like fluff stuff for a while. Yeah. Just to get it out there. Um yes. You know, obviously, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts and read about you and followed you, you over the past year. And I'm curious, you know, you talk a lot about like all these experiences you had that were so bizarre, right, as a child, like having your first kiss on camera. I mean, I was thinking about that. I was like, my first kiss was with this kid, Corey Blagden, when I was going into eighth grade. I mean, I can't imagine having it filmed. You know, I mean, what? Oh, yeah. Like, so I think I wonder if that was Allison Stoner. So Allison Stoner may have said that her first kiss was on because I'm sure I'm guessing you probably follow her, too. Yeah. Yes, I follow her. Well, them. Yes. Yes. So uh, so Allison had said that, I think for me, yes, that was something that did happen. But it wasn't my first kiss because mm. I definitely kissed a few people before 16. Um <laughs> And yes, I had that normal experience of like, oh, it's like my friend of my parents and he's this guy. So I, I had sort of a normal experience. But honestly, when you think about intimacy and and children and then filming that intimacy, I've I have not unpacked that quite yet. But there are so many complexities to the implications of filming minors now that mm. I am kind of trying to negotiate like there's a lot of people that have zero tolerance poli policies on like, don't post your children at all. But then I have, and I've even interviewed them. Like I've, I've interviewed journalists and other advocates of all that stuff. So I was like, guys, but when we take our Christmas photos, like I really want to post those, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's right. It's hard for all of us, whether you're putting your kids yeah. on YouTube or television or just even on your Instagram to whoever, yeah. it's hard to know now where the boundaries are. Um, yeah. okay. Were you, so you were 16. You're having, wh what show was it that you were doing? Like that you were kissing on at that age? So even Stevens, my character got a boyfriend and then, um, he was around my age. I think he was a couple years older. I don't believe mm, he might've been 18. I don't know. Um, but he was a decent guy and he was extremely professional. Uh, but I remember having a lot of anxiety 
Mm. about it. I was like, you know, they gave me Altoids and I was like freaking out. And um, I was still a very shy and and uh, <laughs> sheltered 16 year old. So hero breads. Oh, my gosh. Chef's kiss. Do you love carbs? I'm obsessed. Give me a croissant. Give me a tortilla, baby, every day, slathered with some hummus. Yes, please. And then a lot of veggies, a little turkey burger in it. Okay. Um, That's my own proprietary sandwich. Thanks. (laughs) Hero Breads right now offering 10% off. Go to hero.com. Co. Enter the promo code TSFS. You are getting 10% off. Now, Hero Bread is so delicious and flavorful, soft, fluffy. In fact, so fluffy that KJ loves it slathered with butter and cinnamon every day. They're known for their products to have zero to one grams of net carbs, zero sugar, and high in fiber. So what are you waiting for? Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code TSFS at checkout. That's TSFS at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Do you hear that? That is the sound of the brand new and delicious You Natural Conception for her in their juicy strawberry gummy flavored. Ah! Oh my, this is now my favorite thing to take. It's a fertility aid. If you haven't heard about them, they are unbelievable with thousands of five-star reviews on Amazon. Go and read them for yourself. And they're famous for their Conception for Her and Conception for Him formula, which Schman, my hubby, has been taking for over a month because it takes two to tango. Conception for her fertility aid is a well-researched baby. They have ingredients like ashkawanda, zinc, magnesium that can help you on that journey to have a healthy baby. So what are you waiting for? Go and order now. You're going to love it and I want to hear from you. Check out You Natural on Amazon and use code FRASER20 for 20% off Conception for Her, Conception for Him, and the Conception Bundle. That's EU Natural on Amazon or follow the link on our website for 20% off Conception for Her, Conception for Him, and the Conception Bundle with the promo code Fraser 20. That's F R A S E R. The number's two zero. How ironic! I love this. Got a new podcast for you to listen to. Yes, I do. It's the Dr. John Delani Show. Schman and I were actually playing a clip from Dr. John's podcast because he was doing the topic of our youth travel sports ruining families. Well, Dr. John Delani has over 20 years of sitting with families and dealing with hurting people and mental health issues. He has a PhD in counseling. Delani walks alongside real people as they navigate tough decisions. And this is actually something that I really enjoy about his show. It's caller driven. I I feel like I'm going to have to get a caller driven show, Dr. John. I love this. Anyway, listen to the Dr. John Delani show wherever you get your podcast, or you can follow the link in the description of this podcast episode. I always make it very, very easy to find my sponsors and people that I partner with. So start downloading and listening today to the Dr. John Delani podcast. Enjoy. 10 years ago, I lost 60 pounds mindful eating, and today I have kept the weight off. I never think about food. I never count calories. Honey, I don't even use one of those darn trackers or apps. I live with food freedom, and I want that for you if you are ready and you want it. And that's where My Optimal Body comes into play. Visit MyOptimalBody.com to request an appointment, and be sure to let them know that the Sarah Fraser Show sent you so you can qualify for a free personalized assessment plus a bonus free 30-day supply of of their gut repair product when you sign up for a customized plan. That is myoptimalbody.com to request an appointment. Why I wanted to partner with Dr. Applin is because he is a doctor that gets to the cellular and gut reason of why you can't lose weight and keep it off. They also work with your mental capacity as well. So many of us are emotional eaters. They address that and their clients see long-term success. If you are ready to lose weight, keep it off, and you don't want to do crazy ozempic, myoptimalbody.com and tell them the Sarah Fraser show sent you. Oh my God, I would have been too. I mean, just to even have a camera there. I mean, you know, you you don't even think about like how big those moments really are, you know, when you're 16, like what they mean. Um, Looking back, what do you think? Because obviously you came up like way before the Me Too, Time's Up movement. I mean, all Mm -hmm. that, right? We've seen a lot of change in advocacy. Still a long way to go, but... Looking back now, what was the most strange moment? Because, I mean, you were constantly auditioning for probably mostly male executives at Disney for these shows. I mean, 
Yeah. Was there ever like a really bizarre moment where you were like, now you're like, wow, I cannot believe uh, they asked me to do that or I or like my parents were okay with that in this audition. Like what, was there something that stands out? Um, yeah, I think that, uh, well, a couple things, even when I was before Disney and I was in New York City, um, we had to turn down this audition for what ended up becoming Devil's Advocate. Because in the beginning of Devil's Advocate, the actress that got it is Heather Matarazzo. She's like a fantastic, a fantastic actress. But, you know, she had to recount what happened to this predator, you know, and it was horrifying, um, the script. And I, I believe Allison uh, talked about some sort of an audition they also had where they were, you know, having to talk about being kidnapped and Mm. Uh, assaulted as a minor. And so my dad uh, stepped in because he was a quote unquote protective Italian father. But really, it's like, I think any parent that that shouldn't even be questioned was like, she's not doing this. And my mom fought him because she was a part of already indoctrinated into sort of this like toxic Hollywood system of like, if she doesn't do this, we're non-compliant. And if we're labeled non-compliant, and this is a really great opportunity, um, like it, it became almost like the more my daughter's willing to do in an uncomfortable space, the less competition there is. Mm. And and so for people to maybe not connect those dots, but say, well, how did they get there? You know, how did they get to become a train wreck? As Allison calls it, like the toddler to train wreck pipeline. Yeah. And, and it's really by the, no there's a lot of, consistencies that I think as a group of people that are trying to advocate for change, we're all coming together and being like, okay, we all know we have a shared experience, but like, how do we actually do the work to show the statistics of this? Um, I'm curious, like when you, did you have any like resemblance of a normal childhood? Like, did you go to middle school? Did you go to high school? Did you go to prom? I mean, then were you acting in between or like, was there just always a tutor you never really like like what was your experience like so i didn't get famous with one job aka like big break thing until even stevens and i had done the pilot at 14 but we got our first pickup day of shooting at my 16th birthday um so to me i was already college minded and um you know i was kind of already the person that i would be uh, I think that's why people kind of know me and they're like, oh, yeah, that tracks that she's still pretty type A. Um, <laughs> and, and but it was there was a long road to even get to the set of, you know, even Stevens. There was so much conditioning that made me the perfect person for that part. Um, so I was burnt out for sure by the end of doing uh, Beauty and the Beast by the time I was like 20. And. Uh, so it's like, again, if you try to, if you try to understand the fluidity of it or the linearness of it, it's a little, it's a little hard for us to unpack. So sometimes people will be like, oh, I'm, when you're in your interviews, you're jumping all over the place. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's part now of my personality. Mm. Um, but I try really hard to get back on track. So for example, your question was, was I ever in? <laughs> yeah. Like, you did you love me or, you know, that's no, the thing. no, no, no. <laughs> You're very transparent. Was there ever a normal, <laughs> did I ever, excuse me, a normal background? Yeah, pieces of it. So like I was luckier than most. My mom knew that education was vital for me. And so she made sure that I did go to college. Most people needed emancipation by the time they were 16 and didn't even want to talk about the word college. They wanted to just make, um, as they wanted their GED. So a lot of people would get their GED and that was a big flex. Emancipation and your GED would be flexes because mm -hmm. then you wouldn't have, you know, schooling hours and you wouldn't have. Um, but as I know, Allison has said in their uh, podcast called Dear Hollywood, a lot of people are lacking basic work level skills at that point and really can only be one thing after they grow up or they don't have money management skills. And, and I mean, there's tons of these kids that are now hugely famous that I hope fixed their reading issues, but they were not literate. Like they could not truly sit down, write an essay, like get into college. Like that was, that, that wouldn't have been, that wouldn't have been possible for them just based on the studio teaching environment is not really that regulated. Let's put it that way. Oh my God. Um, what's it, you know, look, I, 
I was I came up in radio in DC, um, famously left, worked with this incredibly toxic um, co-host who unfortunately died from a drug overdose a couple of years ago. Um, and mm. you know, the environment there was, you know, I, I, literally after I got the job, they said, congrats, it's not show friendship, it's show business. And they treated us like that forever, you know, for six years. And I, I, it took me years to be deprogrammed from it. Mm. But I found, I speak up to about my story, I've told it and had other people who have left that show come and tell their story. But there's a level of almost blacklisted when you do, you know, when you do talk mm. about it, you know. I'm wondering, yeah. I mean, Disney is huge, you know. I mean, mm. the, the network's you've been vulnerable, your podcast has been vulnerable, you go on other shows. Do you feel like you're like, in a way, blacklisted from the industry now? Do you even care? Or do you feel like, no, you're not? Like, you can still say this and still be auditioning and working? Wow. Okay. So that's a fantastic question. Um, I think that for so long, I had the assumption that blacklisting was a real thing. Um, but the the fact is when we see that Jared Leto is still a huge star and, you know, main lining um, at like ACL here in Austin, it doesn't matter how like granted women are persona non grata way faster than men. But if you look at this Kardashian effect, there is no negative press. As long as I have an influence, that's all that matters. And who better than to direct and manage that influence than myself? So I am truly coming from a place of empowerment in that you've probably already been able to experience it from doing your own thing and having dealt with that past toxic work environment where I've been able to come into my own and the empowerment that comes with that. Um, only few people can truly understand that when you pick up the microphone and just start being yourself. And that's almost like you take the pill and you're like, I can't unsee this anymore. And so for me, I've been extremely grateful to my fans um, and the people that have chosen to follow me, subscribe, support, and truly get like yourself, like actually be listening to my content and 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 using it. I don't expect to sell a ton of merch um, or sell out theaters. Like that's not what my plan is right now, right? Um, but everything's going really well. So if I'm blacklisted, then that's great because I just am fine. Like I'm over here making good money. Yeah, I have a, my pot, sponsors. Have a podcast company. Yes, yeah, so it's like being but blacklisted my, is I, great. Yeah, yeah. Yes, but look, I think for a while I was concerned about it. But let me also tell you this. I don't dislike anything about Disney. I actually really love Disney. I love Disneyland. I love all the Disney movies. I love Disney, the place where you go watch the things that I'm not probably allowed to say much of. But I love all things Disney. And that's and that's what I think the folks there are understanding about whatever I've said, is that I am not saying this individual and that individual and this is the I'm not like whistleblowing because this is every single network. This is every single SAG person that is standing up for themselves. And I've been SAG since I was, you know, 10 or something. Yeah. Right. And so because of that, I'm really just the face of a larger problem. And I think that that representation is resounding in the strike that we're currently seeing. Unfortunately, I don't feel like the strike is truly tackling the issue of mental health for children. And I think that's a lack of foresight for them because this is a perfect opportunity to bring them into that conversation because they pay just as many dues. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if you pay just as many dues, why are you getting treated you know, it's kind of discrimination when you think about it. And they don't have a voice because again, their parents want to be compliant and that's like their go, that's their, that's their go-to. What's it been like? I mean, you've told your truth, but I mean, you have, you've had famous <laughs> co-stars, you know, you Shia LaBeouf famously, Hilary Duff. I mean, you've worked with very famous yeah. people and you've, and you've also been truthful in your experiences with them or your relationships with them. I know you and Shia LaBeouf I think at least last time I checked, don't speak, right? Or has no. has he reached out? I, no, he hasn't. Honestly, I think because so much time had gone by and we weren't really friendly after the show ended anyway, I just think that it was one of those things of like, oh, I worked with her. She's fine. If I see her on the red carpet, I'll be pleasant. But I just don't think that we were ever set up to have a friendship outside of work. Um, and so that's why for so many decades, people asking me about him, I just figured, you know what? Let me do a video and let me put it to rest. And I think that just spoke volumes to the impact that the show and that the legacy of 
that time for Disney and all that had on everybody. And and how have you embraced that? Because on a much yeah. smaller scale, right? This radio show that I was a part of was so big in the DC area and then it was syndicated. So like for years after, people would ask me about my coast and they didn't know. They didn't know like the toxicity. Yeah. They'd heard rumors or whatever. And it was so triggering for the first couple of years. I'm like, oh fuck, I don't want to talk about this person. I, I, I hate this person. I was so still angry and all these things. For you, like, is it, but now, I mean, this was 10 years ago that I left the show now. Now I like, right. I appreciate how much people loved it. Like it was their escapism in the morning. They looked forward to it. They didn't know the back dynamics. And my co-host, it was sad what happened really because he was so mentally ill and didn't get the right treatment mm -hmm. that, you know, it was, he was hurting too. We just didn't know it because we were so young. So yeah. does it bother you? Like people continue to bring up these famous actors that you worked with or these shows, or now are you at a place where you're like, I'm cool to like, I get what it means to the audience or is it in between? Yeah. I think that it was a really, like, I think that as people were watching my videos, I was healing because for so long I felt like I couldn't speak my truth. And so because I just started just talking like the camera was my best friend. I think people started to relate to me on a really human level. And so if people bring it up now, I think they kind of already know how I feel. Mm. Intuitively, I think they're like, oh, this is like her whole brand. I don't know what it is because it's not like every single one of my videos has millions and millions of views. I don't expect people to think of me as a celebrity. In fact, I don't identify as that. Um, I'd much rather consider myself as like a host and a podcast person and like a content creator, all those things now. But when people try to use this term of celebrity, it kind of gives me an ick because I'm just like, oh God, that means like I'm not relevant enough or am I on that Buzzfeed list again? Mm. And so it, it's kind of triggering, um, in that I'm not interested in that. I think that there's so many nuances in our industry that you could be successful at and actually make a living and stay true to yourself and have a voice and, you know, not work with people that are not good for you and stuff like that. Like you just having the ability to say no is huge. Uh, I feel like Raven Simone recently, like she did a kind of like if she was waving a magic wand, what the rules and stipulations oh, would be for child actors. Yes. I think she said like she wouldn't allow any child under 10 to act. I'm curious, yeah. what would be your... Like if you were running the SAG-AFTRA, our union uh, department's <laughs> child acting, like what would be your rules, stipulations? What would you like to see happen? So Raven went on the, I think it was the Vial Files. Is yes. that how you say his last name? Nick Vial. Um, and you would know you're, you're a reality girl. Yes. Yes. I love all things reality. I never listened to Nick's shows, but yes. Okay. Okay. Great. So I just I, saw the clip and I was like, oh, that's really, yes. you know, that's interesting. I wonder like if Christy feels well, the same or feels... I commented. I commented under Nick on, on that on that post, um, and I was like, "This is fantastic." And and Raven actually commented on another post I did, and and she was like, "Hit me up because this is a big thing." Now I haven't been in touch with Raven. Um, I think I've actually reached out to her wife, um, and we haven't been able to link up yet about her actually joining this movement that I've been spearheading with Allison Stoner and a few other really great individuals, including the Looking Ahead program. So if people don't know about the Looking Ahead program and they're still listening because they're not bored by all this, um, the Looking Ahead program is 50% uh, funded by SAG. It's SAG's only representation for children in the arts. Lumi is finally a sponsor of the podcast. Have you guys heard of Lumi? I'm obsessed with this brand because they have a deodorant that you can put anywhere that you have body odor. <laughs> I'm talking your pits, uh, your hoo-ha, your behind door, and it lasts for 72 hours. Have you guys seen their commercials? I was obsessed. I reached out. I was like, Lumi, I have to work with you. My audience will love you. They also have these cucumber wipes. So if you have like any like breakthrough odors, I guess, like you can take them with you. I think we all know by now I have horrible BO, but not anymore thanks to Lumi. Uh, treat yourself this holiday season. You're getting a heck of a discount on their bundle package. And look, use Lumi products and tell me if you like them as much as I do. No, I loved, I wanted to work with them because they're also paraben free. 
They're baking soda free. Um, so they are perfectly safe. And as a special offer to my Sarah Fraser Show listeners, to all of you guys, new customers get $5 off Lumi's starter pack with their exclusive code and link. And for a limited time, returning customers can get $5 off their next purchase of $30 or more, too. Use my code TSFS at lumideodorant.com. Um, thank you, Lumi, for making the holiday season smell a whole lot better. You better believe it. So, you guys, for a limited time, returning customers can get $5 off for the next purchase of $30 or more. If you're a new customer, $5 off the Lumi Starter Pack. Just go to lumideodorant.com. Use the promo code TSFS at checkout and tell me if you love this pit deodorant, this coochie deodorant. Yeah, we're here for you, Lumi. So now your pits and coochies smell nice, but you need your face to be on and popping too. And hello, I am all about reversing the aging because I'm not getting Botox. You all know I am going to have my rainbow baby. That's how we enter One Skin. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. One Skin addresses skin health at the molecular level, targeting the root cause of aging so skin feels and appears younger. Now I'm using their moisturizer. I've had great success with it. I love it. Doesn't have a strong fragrance. Their OS01 face, their topical supplement. It's time to get started with your new face, eye, and body routine at a discounted rate today. Get 15% off. I wanted to get you guys a good discount. This is a good one. Get 15% off with my code TSFS at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code TSFS. We only have one body, one skin, and you can choose to make it better, age healthy with one skin. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, They have a terrific website that explains how they're able to reverse the biological age of your skin with one skin. Use the promo code TSFS. And when you think about how much money Hannah Montana made, the studios, and you think about how much money any of these, you know, things make, it shows you just how important these actors are to big business and how much merchandise flies off the shelves. You know what I'm saying? So it is really big business. And these kids are also the role models to children, right? So based on what they end up doing off of set, their mental health directly affects your kids, everybody's kids, because Mm -hmm. they're like, well, so-and-so made a TikTok, you know, uh, doing something. And it's like, there's implications to all of it. We're all interconnected, truly. Um, So when people try to say, well, they're just rich kids and they don't, that doesn't matter to me. The other thing is that they're not most of the time. And then for every child that you actually see on a TV show, there's so many more that aren't and that have moved away from their hometowns to live in LA and try to make it and are displaced from their families. And so this is what makes it a very complicated Mm. issue. Um, It's a really interesting issue for anybody who's maybe had a social work background or has children themselves that are interested in being high-performing children. Well, Um, and so there's, yeah, go ahead. Well, I can't tell you, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, but now I feel like even more than acting, right? Parents are, their kids want to launch Twitch channels. They want to launch YouTube channels. They want, (laughs) yeah, Roblox too. It's all scary. Are you totally against? Yeah. I mean, look, I'm from Maine. I go back. I mean, I have family members that have young kids that these kids are into esports and they, they want to film them. And you know, look, it's enticing. It's enticing for me to want to put my son, you know, because kids sell, they, they really do. And kids want to watch children. So it's even beyond, you know, TV now. I feel like now you can shoot your own kids show. Yeah. Um, It's new media as a whole and the implications of that. Well, and this is the problem is when you think about just how outdated this is, this is why I'm pushing for us to do the the statistical work. Because if you knew that 80, 85% of young performers have mental health crises at some time in their lives, would you put your child into new, into this world? If you knew that as a parent, if, if, if the person at the, was it the FDA or who was it that said that they, it was the Surgeon General suggested that people under 16 should not have social media, right? Oh my God. I think yeah. that was and recent. I even read a story. I'm trying to, think, I think it was in Florida, a school for an entire day banned cell phones on all middle school and high school campuses. And like just in 24 hours, like the production, the happiness, the interaction was like, the less bullying, like everything, like, and they were, wow. they, they were shocked it changed in 10 hours. Like that's how much. That's wild. The, right. That's how much this impacts kids. 
Yeah. So the, so it's all interlinked when you think about now every child can be a child actor if they have their phone and they launch TikTok and they go viral. And then yeah. next thing you know, they're Addison Ray, or next thing you know, it's like if they have access they to a phone, they have access to fame. So the protocol needs to be revised immediately. And so I do think that this isn't just something that we're seeing on the sets of, you know, this network or that network. It's it's it really is a community focused a shift that's happening. So what are your bullet point initiatives? Like, what would you like to see happen or you think is important for parents to know? Oh, I appreciate you giving me a platform to talk about that. I, I, It's hard for me with it being so nuanced for me to be like, this is it, because we're not quite organized. But what I can explain to you is that I have had a coalition going with several um, really well-spoken child performers that um, are leading the charge with me, as well as some mental health, um, like their uh, intimacy coordinators and stuff like that on sets. And they have some really great blueprints for how we can take things to set to kind of regulate set life. But I think it's more of a holistic community approach with the Looking Ahead program, which I'm on the board of, and now I'm helping them celebrate their 20th anniversary. And it's one of those things where we need to get the word out about there being this sort of like very underserved national community of child performers that has social workers on staff mm. and um, like therapists and they and they do non-competitive like chats. And then the parents can come and talk about Coogan Law education and even new media like they have social media sit ins and stuff like that. So there is a really great movement happening that already kind of exists, but it needs support because all the people that come and watch my content, they're like, Christy, how do I help? How do I help? Look into the Looking Ahead program, donate if you want to. Um, I think that there, that I'll be talking more about it, but I don't know what to tell you. I think it's going to be hard. I think yeah. we need to go to the federal. I think it needs to be federal change. Wow. I don't think it's like, yeah, because I don't think this is just like, oh, SAG needs to wag the finger. Um, I think like there needs to be federal laws that protect kids that perform and in on sets in any state because just because LA or California has child labor laws these other states don't so they shoot all around the country I might be getting this mixed up I'm not sure if you said this or if I heard it from someone else but do you feel like parents should never manage the kids or are you like okay with some parents if they have checks and balance yeah I think I as I I, I think it's very hard. What I think maybe yeah. what if you heard me say anything, I said there's like a triangle. And so like, and I'm not doing that because I'm part of the Illuminati. Um, I think that there's like a triangle where like you can Ooh, tell us be about like, the Illuminati. Does that exist for kid actors? <laughs> that's, that's all of that. There it is. <laughs> is that Children and all that. Oh God. So there's there's the the you could be a mom, you could be a friend, or you can be a manager, but like you can't be like any one thing. You'd have to like pick two. And um, you kind of lose out on. And so I felt like my mom was my friend and my manager at one point. And I was like, I've lost my mom, you know, yeah. and um, it was hard for her to be displaced from three other children. And, you know, she was dealing with her own drinking stuff. And, and it was just mm. kind of like I loved her and I could see she was in pain, but I felt like I was also the problem and the solution. And so I just think that these parents are being groomed to be compliant. And I think that's the worst case any parent doesn't even realize, right? So uh, yeah, I think they need help too. I do. I'm realizing that I think that if they're, that, that it's important that they stay in the picture. You can't just take them away. I mean, look, um, you you have insight that most of us do not have. I mean, do you look at like Lynn Spears and Jamie Spears, like Britney's parents? I mean, do you have some empathy for them? I mean, you know, in a way, like they were plucked from nowhere, Louisiana, right. Sure. They come to, you know, Florida, you know, they go to Orlando, suddenly like their daughter and they have these other kids and they're trying to keep their jobs. They don't know if it's going to work out. I mean, Amanda Bynes' parents. I mean, do you have like you actually went through it with parents that managed you? I mean, do you look at these parents with because they get no sympathy right now? You know, I mean, yeah, bet, maybe Amanda bet, Bynes' yeah. parents a bit. But I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, do you see them with a different hat on than we do? Yeah, I think that anybody who's had a stage parent, even if they were a high performing child, right? So like I went to professional children's school in New York City before I went out to work with Disney and we had 
uh, Juilliard violinists and School of American Ballet, like very highly competitive, you know, dancers. And and we had golf protégés and uh, we had all like the strangest kids come, but they were the best at whatever they did and in the world and they would come and then that school was a private New York school that would accommodate their work schedule so that they could actually get a degree. So high performing children is, you know, they have parents that are extremely singularly focused on their professional, um, you know, aptitude and success. And this is what I always say, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll back this always, kids should have a relationship to the arts uh, at the very least arts, but whatever it is they're good at, they should have a really great, healthy relationship with something. And when money comes into play, it's when it really, it, it commodifies their relationship to their talent. And so when you have a really complex relationship to your talent, you learn to hate it. And so for me, I don't sing, I don't try to dance. Like mm. I have such a a, 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 a a high critic inside of my head that it's not worth my time sometimes to have to manage that and try to be uh, like a sober adult. Like that's just not something that I want to take on. Wow. So I just think that we have sort of like, um, we have some scar tissue around us when it comes to that, if I'm being really honest with you. And so when we see other people like the Spears family um, and we hear about the accounts of it, I was shocked when I read Jeanette McCurdy's book. I think that was one of the more extreme cases. Okay, wait, but I was also- Who's Jeanette McCurdy? Who's that? Oh, you got to read her book. Okay, tell me. It was a very successful book. It's called I'm Glad My Mom Died. And it was like on every single best selling. And she's now got a podcast that's like number one in the nation. And she was on some Nickelodeon show. And I we we've connected, but I've only done like a book review of her book. I haven't had her on my show yet. So basically, that was a really extreme situation of somebody's mother who was just completely like should have been she's really awful evil mom and um i can't even sympathize with that parent at all but i do think growing up we saw the extremes and in our back of our mind they're like well at least my mom's not that bad oh so that's kind of where you're at you're so competitive with each other that you're not looking to each other for like community you're looking at each other like well i'm i'm better so it's mm. kind of rough. Community is the way to fix this, I think, for starters, is to make these kids actually find each other instead of, like, you know, yeah, be uh, isolated. Yeah. It is so tough. I mean, yeah, I haven't read Brittany's book yet either, but I'm like – Me neither. I, I feel like I Oof. will understand the I, – I just – I look at Jamie Lynn – or Jamie and Lynn Spears, and I'm like, look, these two – they didn't have any idea, you know. I mean, are they, like, completely blame-free? No. But, I mean – you know, they probably came to Hollywood and someone said, oh, you know, I, I'm a conservatorship lawyer and you can help save her. You know, you can see how, like, they thought things yeah. were good intentions or they thought making her famous would change everything. And then, you know, it didn't. Where are you at? Yeah. You've done a ton of work on yourself, clearly. <laughs> um, Not enough. I promise <laughs> well, you. Well, we're, all, we're <laughs> all a work in progress, right? <laughs> where are you at with your parents now? Like, do you have a relationship with them where you can go back and go, wait, mom, why did you do that? Or... Why or you know what? I appreciate that you stepped in, but why did you think this was okay? Like, where are you guys at now? Yeah, I mean, I've been approached to do a memoir um for about a year or so. There's been a conversation about it, and I've really woke up today wondering if like I want to how I want any kind of a legacy to exist for my daughters when they pick up a book that has their mother's name on it. And you know, do I want to do a tell-all about all the guys that, you know, wronged me and which producer it was inappropriate? Like, all these different things are really great for people to read and the algorithm will reward it. Yeah. But I've played the, I've played the algorithm game for so long that, like, I don't necessarily need that in the book. So I'm trying to figure out what kind of book I want to do. And in doing so, I've spoken to the, my mom who lives in Austin. And, you know, recently there was some news that came out about my mom suggesting that I get breast implants. When you were 18, Um, right? Yeah. I was, look, I was 18. It was something that I think we had a conversation about. And, um, you know, I did put it in my podcast and I didn't realize, even though I put it in my social media, that it was going to be the thing that everybody chose to take out of this interview. You never know what they're going to pick up. You never know. So and of course, I did. That was everywhere. You were the Daily Mail and- uh, In the world. In the world. My mom it, calls me. My mom calls me from that interview. 
my brother called me actually. My brother called me and he was really disappointed. And he was like, why are you making this your business? And I was like, dude, this is my truth. This is the conversation that happened. And um, I don't think, you know, we need to go further with this, but I understand this must be triggering for him. And so I'm not, you know, sharing these feelings in a vacuum, like in a bubble. This is really, truly like impacting a lot of other people. And so I do think that's partially why some people don't speak up until they're in a place like with Brittany. It's like, why wouldn't she start to speak up? It's only in her benefit to finally let everyone know who she really is. Right. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with what I want to do next with that. But I will tell you this. Whatever I choose to do, I'm showing up because that's a part of my sobriety journey, too. It's like I don't make commitments. Um, it's very rare. I'm not saying 100 percent of the time, but I try very hard to honor my commitments and um, the best that I can. So if I'm going to be authentic in a book, it's going to be because I really gave it some thought. So tricky. tricky. It is tricky, right? Like you do have the you know, they're your family and and clearly your mom has feelings about it. I mean, the story it ended up being you did have the breast augmentation, right? And oh. um, yeah, you did. Well, I actually I want to get my boobs done, so I'm. <laughs> I'm like, well, this is what I'm trying to say. It's like I'm it's totally. I'm like I, I, like I actually want to get a boob job. So you did it, yeah, and it's fine. <laughs> but it was fine. It was the best decision I ever made. Honestly, it was really like um, it was. I never regretted it for a day. I think I might have mentioned it after I said that part. Yeah, but it was the clip that I chose to post that made the news. And so my mom's picture was all over page six. And so it was concerning to people. And I was just kind of like, okay, well, this is kind of part of it. This is part of all of it. I know. And so it sounds like like without your family somewhat, would it be participation or just like understanding you wouldn't go through with a memoir? Want your life back? Order Hungry Root. It's actually as simple as that. Truly, Hungry Root is the best meal kit service I have ever worked with because they have meals that take 12 minutes. Guys, if you are a busy mom like I am, KJ now just started swim lessons. And on the night that he has swim lessons, we're not home until six. I'm trying to make dinner, trying to get him rested and down for bedtime. When I see that number 12, and I know in 12 minutes I can have a healthy meal, I'm turned on. All right? <laughs> You will be too. Hungry Roots website, so easy to use as well. You just go, you can type in a type of cuisine or if you like chicken, or you can do preset where you tell them you're vegetarian, keto, or you're a meat lover. Right now, get 40% off. My listeners are getting 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com TSFS and get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com TSFS. Don't forget to use my link so they know who sent you and get 40% off right now and free veggies for life. I will go through with a memoir. I just don't know the tone of it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, is it is it is it going to be sassy or is it going to be more like um, self empowering? Like, I would really rather people take more of like an empowering thing away that might even help future generations of people, like read it as a guidebook. Yeah. But it's hard to negotiate these things. I know. And people do always want the tea, right? They want the dirt. They want the tea. They want the dirt, right? And that's why Britney's too has done so well, right? We learned all these things about she and Justin Timberlake that we had, we thought we knew, you know, now we mm -hmm. know. I mean, it's like mm. wild. You know, I was also thinking about you because we just had the one year anniversary of Aaron Carter's um, passing. The day that. he passed, he was supposed to do your show. Not the day he passed. It was like a month before he passed. So he was oh. on a downward spiral, in my opinion. And so basically I was concerned because he didn't show up and we were going to pay him to be there, which I never do with my guests. But I was I was looking forward, truly, truly looking forward. Oh, my to God. Yeah, you him. guys would have had. I was going to say, did you know him? You would have a lot, I'm sure, to talk about. I guess we'd met. I guess we'd met doing like um, I did like a, a Six Flags tour with Raven. And I believe he was part of that tour. So like I think he'd been in my back of my memory. Like I'd met him several times because when I was on the phone trying to book him with his manager, he was like, hey, Christy. And he was like in the car and like. And it's and it, so, yeah, I mean, look, it was very sad. It was a very sad, humbling understanding of, you know, when anyone who passes in the child actor community, I think we all feel it. And I think we can try to pretend like we don't. But I think that those of us who are doing the work or have been affected by the experience, I think we all kind of kind of tense up when we see the the, you know, the whatever the tagline in uh. the news. And it's just like, uh 
God. Okay, one last question on this, and then I want to move on to sure. you being like such a, a businesswoman. Um, but sure. what? Um, okay, what is it that that stunts child actors so much? Is it just it, what's like the biggest thing? Do you think? Right? Because you look at like Michael Jackson, right? Who never really so talented, but never really matured beyond like thirteen. Really, I mean, you know, the guy was like, and you see this. I feel like in a lot of child actors, you know, I mean, if. God forbid they don't pass from like addiction or they have such mental health things. Do you think it's just like being hypersexualized? Do you think it's like a combo? Do you think more than anything, it's the fucked up relationship that you develop with your parents because there's just seems to be a level of that? Is there like one thing you would say is the leader in causing child well, actor distress as adults? Yeah. I think it's them not having perspective. So a lot of what it is, is that they stay in the fame game and they stay in LA or they stay in the one place because that's where they're supposed to be. And so I think it's that they've never fully tried to step away. And I think that, you know, you see it with like the Harry Potter kids, like um, Emma, God, I was to say Hermione, but it's like, Oh, yeah, um, right, right, right. I know whoever the actress is. I know. Uh, oh my god! Why I, am I now? I gotta horrible. Google. She now played Belle. Go. I'm the worst human being. Um, no, I don't know. I never look. Please, I was gonna say uh, Emma Roberts, but it's not. Oh my god! Cut this out. No. <laughs> oh my god! Please, my audience knows. I never get anyone's. I do a whole show with some like um, Emma so Watson. Funny. Yeah. So, yeah, Emma Watson. So Emma Watson, and I and I kind of see sometimes that the British like the famous British kids seem to have like, I don't know, they seem like more well-adjusted or something, but. Oh, that's um, interesting. Right? Like it's interesting, but the kids that are kind of stuck in La La Land and kind of have to become something else almost immediately. And then they do become hypersexualized. Um, I think that perspective is key. So the one thing that saved Good. me was going to college. Um, I think that it wasn't the best experience, but that's okay. And that it really taught me how to have some grit and some resilience. And so this isn't about being famous. It's about living your best life. And so I do think that the kids need to be taken, at least for like a gap year, and just like not be famous and not be working. It's like, you know, these are these are little minds and they they yeah. they need to be nurtured. You need the opposite of the Amish rum springer. You know what I mean? You guys need <laughs> like you need to be away. And I moved to <laughs> I moved to LA a year and a half ago. And I, I'm obsessed with Los Angeles. But I say to myself, if I had moved here when I was 21, I'd be dead. I'd be dead from a cocaine mm -hmm. overdose. I would have been a prostitute. I mean, I would have been a sugar baby. I would have, like, blown everybody. It would have been awful. Like, you know, I mean, because you know, like, what it's like to have fame. Like, I've only experienced it on a local level in D.C. And everywhere you went, you got free stuff and priority seat. You know, you see how, like, wow. if that's magnified. Oh, yeah. my God. And you're young. I mean, it's so confusing. It's not it's not good. You shouldn't. Not yeah, good. you need to be. You need to have perspective, and the only way to have perspective if, is if you don't have it all the time. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Did you always want to be a businesswoman? You now run Podco. You have multiple podcast shows. She's a pod queen. Were you always <laughs> good at business? Did you want to do that? It's funny because I I had a really supportive crew. Um, on Even Stevens. And and they always told me that, oh, you know, Christy's going to do business things. She seems like such a business lady. And like, I was such a burnt out mess for like all my 20s that I didn't ever see myself as somebody who could truly be a mom or like much less a, a house owner or business owner, anything like that. I just couldn't identify with that level um, of, 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 thriving. <laughs> and so when my husband and I finally met and we decided to have kids and that, that whole beautiful evolution happened for me, it was so great to start working in social media. I had such a, a, a sort of like a baptism of like growth and like, wow, I can like truly like just be myself and that's okay. I can share what I want. And yes, there, there's some, you know, there's some fallback on some of that, but I did that. I took account. I take accountability for that, and it's like sort of. I think it's like what they call like um, like a blah, blah, strong moral inventory or something like that, where you're like, well, this is. I did talk about my mom and my boob job, and like that's what it is. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I I'm I'm again not perfect. Working on myself. Going to therapy right after this. Uh. But I'm I'm happy to 
have launched this podcast company. This is our first year. Yeah. And pot, it's why, you know, but really, and you're you doing saw a great job. It's it's a lot of work. Like, I'm also curious, like, your biggest mistakes so far. Because, I mean, my show's eight years old. I've made so many. Mostly in paying, you know, people who I thought were going to be great producers or marketers and they didn't do shit. Like, I I realized that most of the marketing is me. But anyway, that's like, oh, no, that's my own bias. But I'm wondering, like. No, it's not. What, it's not. It's the same for us. I think that yeah. that's part of it. It's like you need, a, you need to hire lieutenants that can, like, truly guide. And it's so hard to find people that are willing to do that, um, especially with the way people kind of don't, uh, they're not super hard workers these days. There's a lot of right? work ethic issues since I think since COVID. And I think a lot of people are just kind of confused on kind of where to put their efforts towards. Um, but again, I do I do think that it's hard because you want to pay people a livable wage. You want to be a fair work. A, but you're a still a small you, business. It's so difficult. Right. Yes. And yeah. you find young yeah. people that want to be paid this exceptional amount. And it's like, I don't But they know. also don't show up. Like there's young people. Well, We've been lucky to have a really great young person in our social team that's really shown up for us. And she's in LA and loves LA. And, um, and, and so we've been lucky to, I do have hope for the future. Let me just put it that way. Because I do think that there are always going to be ambitious people out there. They're just built it's, that they're way. Hard to they're find. born that way. It's they're hard. hard to find. So I guess it, what it is is when you find the right people, you have to take good care of them. It's hard to going from being an employee to the employer, isn't it? Like I found that it's hard for me to be a boss to people because I love when I work for someone, I chit chat in the office, I'm besties with everybody. But when I'm the fucking uh -huh. boss, it sucks. Like I don't want to be friends with any of the, my employees. <laughs> no, it sucks. <laughs> It does. I know. But I think, um, so yeah, the, this year has been wild. It's like we've got seven. So we had like how many? We had Wizards of Waverly Pod, Ned's Declassified, Vulnerable, Big Name, Fuller House that we had. And huge, huge show. So we had Fuller House and Wizards had to go offline because of the strike. And then Ned's, um, which is killing it, just totally killing it. They're doing their first live show next i think it's like this it's in november it's like november 18th or something like that and they're just doing so well uh and then they were able to pivot to do something where they're talking about their lives instead of the tv show um and then wizards got the okay to start up again so they're starting up again and then i think fuller house with dave coulier we're gonna wait on but the cool thing about it is that Amazing. we're still building and growing in this kind of like gray area. And so many people are coming to us now because they see that we put money into these pods and the visual element like you, even you like this is a beautiful set that you have. And oh, it's like you. you've got your shit together and you've got your merch. <laughs> So it's I'll it's send important. you a t-shirt. Not that you don't have enough. You're like, bitch, I'm overwhelmed with merch. <laughs> like, no, oh. give me a t-shirt. I'm saying Christy for a t-shirt. Okay, wait, we only have like two minutes left. In two minutes, tell me because I've been conned by so many psychics too, girl. I could another oh, thing. Oh no, you have? Yes. I could relate to you on so many levels. I just we're gonna be friends. Walk into Fox Five. I, I was a longtime contributor at Fox Five DC. I had a, her walk in, she walked right up to me and she's like, You're you're oh. going to LA. You're gonna be in this big building. You're signing a very big contract. You need to call me. Um and there's and I can't remember she said something about there's something going on with your like your neck there's there's gonna be some injury anyway I call this woman I you know of course you gotta pay before you get the reading you know give us your credit card number do the whole two hundred dollars or whatever and then she goes there's something with your feet and um I don't see a building I'm like okay I have been <laughs> that was like, just one that was just one I've been conned by numerous ones but I love that you spoke out about this tell me in like 90 seconds about your con artist, just psychic experience. So I was approached by somebody at the stage door when I was doing Beauty and the Beast and I wanted some answers in my life because I was just looking for everything and anything. And this person just took me uh, for tens of thousands of dollars. And I thought <sighs> if I bought this like crystal, that the crystal would essentially like heal everything and bless my life. And I, I woke up after I gave her the money and I was just like, oh my God, what did I do? So I do think that, that there is a spirituality out there. And I do think that there are some people that can be mediums. I too, I just went on a podcast of James Vanderbeek's wife, uh, Annie ba Vanderbeek. Oh, Is it Annie? really? Okay. Yeah. Who, James, of and course, famous, was... famous, like medium, right? Or psychic. I'm not sure what he calls himself. James? Right? Oh, no, Is I'm James sorry. Not James Vanderbeek, the actor. Never mind. I'm thinking of, no, I'm thinking of another one that used it's to be okay. on. Oh, he used to be on Oprah's show. It was like James Edwards or something. Sorry. James Vanderbeek is the no. actor, the star. Okay. You went on her yes. show. Yes. And so I went on and, and her and her girlfriend are mediums and psychics. And so I talked to them about this. Um, and 
it was, it was really fascinating because I was like, guys, I just want to be very honest with you about how I'm sort of don't believe. And like, I've had really bad experiences. And so I do think that there's a spectrum of spirituality that some people are gifted and if they're gifted, they have to deal with those gifts in a way that's like, like not authentic, but they have like, um, a code. And so when people are reaching out to you and trying to get like big money grabs. I just don't think that's really valuable. I think like you have to make it your own truth in life and and inner um, it's your own inner work and there are people that help guide you for those inner answers that, that legitimately deserve money but yeah it's very it's I always feel like if if the psychic world really existed isn't our destiny all written and wouldn't they all have a same reading of us you know like why do you go to a different psychic and it's a totally different reading anyway you'll have to that's come a back. good point you, you've got to come back. We have to talk about the Illuminati in Hollywood. If Scientology ever recruited you, uh, we've got to talk more about your <laughs> podcasting business. Psychics. Christy Carlson Romano, I've, I've been a big fan and uh, Vulnerable Thank is the show you. I listen to, but you have many, many more. You can follow her on Instagram. Thank you so much for being on. Of course, Sarah. Thank you. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it.